I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Uh, today, I'm here with Jeffrey Holst. Jeffrey, thank you for coming on the show today. How are you doing? I am excellent. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so Jeff is a, a recovering attorney uh, and a full-time real estate investor. Um, he's a co-host, co-host of the Old Fashioned Real Estate Show um, and also co-host on, a, on the Last Life Ever podcast. We have a couple of different podcasts and maybe we'll, maybe we'll dive into that a little bit. Um, but what I'd love to do, Jeffrey, is if you would kind of tell people your background. I know you sure. said it says recovering attorney. So <laughs> kind of see, see what that means and, and you know, what, what you're up to today. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a, it started off as a joke actually, because, you know, my one show, the old fashioned real estate shows, we just drink bourbon old fashions and talk about real estate investing on YouTube. Yeah. Um, and so uh, somebody made some kind of wisecrack about how we must be alcoholics. And I was like, no, I'm a recovering attorney. I was just joking. And uh, it just sort of stuck. So, um, but yeah, so I used to practice law. I don't do it anymore. That's, that's where that comes from. Um, there's a bit more to unpack there, you know, how that all went down, but, um, but it, but it's been a really great move for me. And now I love to talk lawyers into quitting practicing law. That's kind of my thing. I've done it three times now. I'm hoping for about 30 more. So. Okay. That's a, that's an interesting, uh, you know, sort of angle. Although I will tell you, I, I'm a, my, career as veterinary surgeon and I like I don't want my kids to be vets like I just <laughs> there there are some reasons I'm sure probably similar between the two career paths as to why you may have that thought at this point yeah I mean listen I I think what you do sounds really cool a lot of people think being a lawyer sounds really cool and it can be I have some friends who are lawyers that I would never try to talk out of being lawyers they love it they love every minute of it but um, for me, I went to law school because I was like, oh, I want to make money so I can travel. It's not the right reason to go to law school. Right. So if anyone's out there trying to yeah. decide if you want to go yeah. to law school, don't do it if it's just to make money, because that's that's not what you should do anything for, really. Right. Right. So you you decided not you know, to continue practicing law. So you sort of maybe tell us what what brought that about, sort of changed your mind. I know it sounds sure. like you didn't didn't go into it with uh maybe full heart, uh, into becoming, I mean, listen, I, I love being a lawyer. Actually. I still love being a lawyer. I mean, I'm still a lawyer. I just don't practice law. I haven't in more than a decade now. And I only practiced for about four and a half years. So, I mean, I've been out longer than I was in at this point by more than double. Um, but I, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, it just wasn't the right choice for me. Now I will tell you, I did really well at it. I actually, I started a small firm, a bankruptcy firm. Uh, this is 2007. So great timing, you know, all of a sudden there was bankruptcies all over the place. 2008, 2009, we were really busy. I had a television commercial and I was on the back of the phone book, you know, I was one of those guys. Um, but, uh, I got sick. Uh, I was 30 years old. I got leukemia. 
and uh, I couldn't work for a while. And uh, right before I got leukemia, one of the other, I had one other attorney that worked for me. He put in his two week notice. Uh, so we went from two attorneys to zero overnight. And uh, I had friends cover my cases, make sure people got done, but we just couldn't take more work. It created a huge pile of debt. And uh, I became the uh, only bankruptcy attorney I personally know to file personal bankruptcy in 2010. Um, so we went from doing really, really well to like really bad, really fast. And uh um, yeah, that's how I got out of law. I just kind of went, you know, I mean, I'm a bankruptcy attorney. I sat in front of a bankruptcy trustee who I knew and I'd worked with and represented people in front of hundreds of times. Uh, and, uh, I just kind of sat there looking at him and I thought to myself, like, yeah, you know what, like, it's time to do something different. Like, this isn't going to work for me because, um, you know, I wanted something that was going to produce income no matter what. Like, I, I just realized like, if I can't work, like, I didn't know, I thought I might still die. Like, my leukemia was pretty advanced when it was diagnosed and um, I thought I was going to recover by the time I went bankrupt, but it wasn't certain. And I thought I want my wife to still have money coming in. If I can't work, yeah. I don't want to ever, ever go through this again. And I'd always been interested in real estate. I mean, I was a weird kid. I would sneak out of my bedroom at, you know, three in the morning and watch like Carlton sheets, no money down infomercials when I was 15. Um, you know, I don't know what other 15 year olds do when they sneak out of their, out yeah. of their bedroom, but that's what I did. <laughs> Probably not most of them doing that, but I, but I understand. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I was always interested and I remember when I was in driver's training uh, we were driving through this one section of the city and there was a, a big old factory building with a for sale sign on it. And I said to the guy who was teaching me to drive, I said, I think I want to buy buildings like that someday. And he's just like, what a weirdo, like you're 16. Like, why are you talking about buying run down factories? I'm just like, I don't know. It looks cool. You know, right. um, that's just the kind of thing that I, uh, that I it was always attractive to me. And then I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, of course, and uh, and I loved that book. And, and, I, and I just kept saying, oh, someday I'm going to invest in real estate. Someday I'm going to invest in real estate. And when I got sick and thought, oh, geez, you know what? I might die with never having got to someday. That's when I was like, I got to change the way I'm doing stuff. So, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So how did you start then? What was your, I guess, you, you sort of, you maybe had that mindset shift a little bit, but what, how did you yeah. get going so, in terms of action? Yeah. So I didn't have any money and I didn't have any credit. Um, and it was a time when it was hard to finance stuff. 2010 was when I started. Um, and my credit was really bad because I started like, uh, you know, a month after I filed bankruptcy, I'm like, well, okay, now I've got, I've got to start over. I got to build stuff. Yeah. I have a negative net worth, like literally because my student loans didn't go away. So I think I owed like a hundred thousand dollars and had no assets. Um, which is pretty awesome, especially when you've decided not to practice law anymore. So you don't even have the like income from, from doing the type of work you trained to do. Yeah. So I took a job working with this trucking company down in Tennessee. I moved from Michigan to Tennessee. Um, and uh, it was a pretty good job. I made good money. I got good bonuses. And I took my first uh, big bonus. It was like $20,000, which was really awesome because I was like really broke before that. And I called up a friend of mine who I'd met in law school who was buying uh, real estate in Michigan, in Detroit area. And I said, hey, I've got $20,000. How should I invest it? And he's like, actually, I'm about to buy a condo that's a bank-owned foreclosure for $30,000. So why don't we split it? So we just did that. That's that's how I got the first deal. I just We paid cash for a $30,000 condo. It was like a $110,000 condo before the crash. Um, it's worth more than that. Now we still own it. That, that's the first deal I did. And we bought, 
another one a few months later in the same building. I didn't have any money, but my uh, buddy actually loaned me the money to for my share of the of the purchase on that one. Uh, I've since paid him off, but uh, um, but that's how I got started. And then uh, we just kept trying to do small deals like that that we could take down with cash. Uh, we started doing a little um, private money stuff. So we had one investor who we actually went to and we said, hey, we have these two paid off condos. It was the only thing we owned. And, or at least the only thing that I owned. And my buddy had some other stuff at that time. But but we said, hey, we have these two paid off condos. Like, why don't you give us a loan for $25,000 on each one and then put in 25 of your own money and we'll go buy this $75,000 duplex. So we did that. And then we had this duplex that we owned in thirds. And then we had mortgages on our condos that we had previously free and clear. Um, but it was a 6% interest only mortgage. So the payment was like, nothing, right? Like, you know, $50,000. So $3,000 a year in payments or something. And, um, and uh, yeah, and then that worked really well. And that guy was like, Oh, well, you know what, let's buy some more stuff. And we're like, well, we don't have any money. If you want to loan us money, we'll buy stuff. So he would loan money to the company that the three of us own together. Uh, we'd pay him interest and we'd go buy stuff and we just kept buying stuff. And we ended up borrowing about a million dollars from him over the next several years. Um, and he's super happy because he got his interest on his million dollars and he owned a third of the deal. Yeah. And yeah. So yeah. that's how we got started really. I mean, that's actually a really great sort of story to put out there for people that are trying to get started. Like really goes to show you, like, doesn't, it really doesn't matter what situation you're in. Like if you're willing to get a little bit creative, you can do it. Right? You, you said yeah. you a negative net worth and yet you still hear you end up just, you know, sort of found a way to go ahead and buy these assets and now and now given time they're all worth you know yeah well, <laughs> more money than they were before oh and that first listen that first condo my half of the first con it's in a really good neighborhood my half of my first of that first condo is more than what my negative net worth was then so and yeah. it's you know i mean like literally like that one deal would have been enough to change my entire life pay off my student loans on that deal um and then you know if you do a lot of it especially starting in 2011 and then fast forwarding to 2021 the last 10 years prices have gone up a lot yep yeah yeah the market has been friendly to (laughs) to people that got in at that time so i mean unfortunate that you you know got an illness and then had bankruptcy and like obviously all of that is stuff is is negative but you you could have just laid around depressed and, mm. and feeling bad for and, yourself. And that's what most people do, actually. I mean, as a bankruptcy attorney, I, I can t- tell you that 99% of my clients were like, oh, the world hates me. And thank goodness I'm not bankrupt um, anymore. Like now I don't have this crushing debt. And uh, then pretty soon they're calling me up and being like, I can't pay my bills. And it's like, well, dude, you can't file again. Like you have to wait seven or eight years depending on the type you filed. And, and you know, it's like really sad. Um, they, they've done some stuff since then, actually, in, you know, creating financial education courses and stuff that, that bankruptcy debtors are required to do. But, but uh, a lot, I mean, I would, I would say like, 25 or 30% of people that file bankruptcy get right back into the same situation. And then the, uh, the next large group of them, maybe 50 or 60% of the remaining people, um, you know, really they just get a job and they go to work and they come home and they go to work and they come home and they never have anything extra. They may not be in bankruptcy again, but they don't, you know, they're, they're just paying their house. Yeah. And, um, 
I just didn't want to do that. I never wanted to be paycheck to paycheck. So I went into law, right? I really went into law because I thought I would make money. And I, I did. I made a lot of money that year I filed bankruptcy. I made um, in the first half of the year before I got sick, I made, geez, I probably $150,000 or something, which, you know, back then that was a lot, still a lot. Um, but it was a real lot for me um, because it was half a year and I was on a really great trajectory. And then the second half of the year, I lost more than that. So that was the, you know, that was the tough part about it. It turns out you can't live on money you no longer have. So, yeah, 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 yeah. And that's, I mean, that's just, you know, you own the company, but it it does, you know, sort of speak to people that are in a W-2 job and that's all they have. It's like, if you come down with an illness and you're no longer getting paid by that work, like, what do you, you, you don't have any safety net. It's your, your employer is not going to be like, "Mm, I feel bad for you let's just yeah. keep paying you. They're kind of like, mm, sorry. Yeah. I mean, you might be able to get like long-term disability or something, yeah. but I'll tell you like it, reality is if I had been in a W2 job, we might've actually survived. Like it was bad in our situation because they went from making a bunch of money to losing like seven or 8,000 a week. And um, yeah, we, I mean, that, that seven or 8,000 a week that eats up your, I mean, it doesn't matter. We had a little savings. We had, you know, we had, are we right. recurring on all of our bills? Like we didn't have credit card debt, but it just like goes quick. You know, yeah. It went super quick. If I'd been in a job, um, yeah, I wouldn't have any money coming in, but I also wouldn't have been like losing money every week. You know, that's True. seven or 8,000 was at the business. And then I still had to pay my mortgage and my you know, yeah. car payments and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, it could have been, it can get really bad, really fast. And, uh, the lesson there is yeah, you want to have something that's, you know, unassailable income if you can. That's what I like about real estate. So, yeah, yeah, really, it really does. The, the more, you know, the more I talk to people about it, learn, you know, sort of get invested myself. It's just like, it's remarkable how much more reliable, safe, tax beneficial. I mean, like there's just, it's, there's so many yeah. things that uh, real estate can really do for you. And it's like, I'm not even the person that says, Oh, you have to do this so you can quit your job. Like I'm not going to quit my job. Like I don't, <laughs> I like being a veterinary surgeon. I don't have any intention of stop being a veterinary surgeon. It's just, there's, I can create this, this, you know, call it a safety net, call it, you know, freedom, whatever, whatever it is. There's, there's a lot of ways of, that a lot of things that real estate can do for you. Yeah. And the thing is like, even if you want to be a veterinary surgeon, you might not be able to be, you can't bank on your health. Like what if, what if you injure your hands, right. right? And now you can't do surgery anymore. Um, You know, what if you do have, you know, something other terrible thing happened to you? Like it gives you a safety net that wasn't there before. I would not have quit practicing law the day that I quit practicing law, right? It would not have happened if not for getting sick. But there's also this thing that's like, even if everything goes exactly right, sometime you're going to want to quit working. Like you might not be for 15 or 20 or 30 years, but like sometime you're going to be like, you know what, like my grandkids are going to like be in high school soon. I want to see them, right? Right. Like before they don't care about me anymore or whatever it is. And it just gives you so much flexibility. Um, I interviewed on my other podcast, The Last Life Ever Show, a guy, uh, he's a medical doctor out of Australia, Dr. Tony Pinnells. And we were having this conversation and it's, you know, that's not a real estate show. And he 
um, believes in a diversified portfolio of assets and all this stuff. And, you know, we kind of picked around on that a little bit, but it wasn't a real estate show. So we didn't spend a lot of time dissecting that. But what he said to me, that's really stuck with me. And this is like a, a more than a year ago now that the secret to living well is, uh, and this is a paraphrase, but the secret to living well is to figure out how to buy back your time as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't matter what you do once you do that, right? Like if you want right. to be a veterinary right. surgeon, just keep doing that. That's great. Right. But if you don't have to do it to survive, it gives you the freedom to decide if that's really what you want to do or not. Yeah. Like for me, I think I didn't, when I started buying real estate, I thought I have this good job. I'm just going to keep doing it. It's not so bad. Like it's a nine to five job. Like I get some vacation time. Um, it could be a lot worse. Um, but I wanted in case something happened to me, that's why I was like, Oh, I want to do real estate in case I die. You know, I want to make sure there's still money coming in. Um, but, uh, at the same time, like looking back on it, I realized that one of the reasons I was thinking, Oh, I want to keep doing this job is because I like making the money. But once I made enough money from my real estate that I didn't have to do it. And then they called me up one day and said, we're selling to this bigger company. I went, and they're like, you can have a severance package or you can go work for this other company. And I'm like, severance right now. Yeah. I don't want to work yeah. for another company. I don't want to start all over. Like, I'll just take my six month severance and I'll go home and I'll figure it out because I didn't have anything to worry about. Yeah. I mean, I talked to a friend of mine today whose husband and her both got laid off because of COVID last year. Neither of them went back to work and they're fine. They're, they're perfectly fine because they're real estate investors. She said to me, actually, I was probably going to quit in a year or two anyway, and I'm just not going to go back to work. Like, I don't need to go look for a job. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if that happened three years before, five years before, she'd been in a world of hurt. Right. Right. But I mean, like, think about what a free feeling that is, right? What a, what a, you know, kind of <laughs> how liberating is it to be like, you know, oh, I just got laid off. You know, most people are like, that's devastating. And right. How are we going to pay our rent, mortgage, whatever it is to be able to have that happen and then say, okay, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Well, I did, I, I did I the mean, things I, I had to. Yeah. I, I know exactly how it feels because essentially what happened to me, right? I was like, right. this is awesome. Like I don't have to yeah. go back to work. And, and I thought I would, like when I first quit working, I was like, oh, like, I'm just going to take a few weeks off and kind of think about what I want to do next. Yeah. And I was sitting at the pool, rereading Rich Dad, Poor Dad uh, at a condo that my dad owns down in Florida. And this, uh, it's like a retirement home, almost like all these people are like baby boomers and stuff. And this lady says to me, oh, you just decided to take some time off in the spring. And I'm like, actually, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm unemployed. She's like, oh, looking for work. I'm like, no, not really. I, I don't know what I want to do. <laughs> and she's like, well, I love being retired. And I was like, you know what? I'm retired. Literally, was like, yeah. I'm just not going back to work. I mean, I do work, right? I mean, I do podcasts and like do real estate deals. And, you know, I went to a conference last weekend, uh, which was awesome because it's the first like in-person event since the COVID thing happened. But, but I do what I want to do with my time. And that's, yeah. that's amazing. I mean, that's, that's the real deal. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, hundred percent. It's, it's just, it's, it's really about time freedom right? It's just having enough money that you do what you want when you want, right? It's just, it's just that, you know, kind of that feeling. Um, tell me, I, I know, you know, sort of from, from listening to you on other podcasts and things, tell me a little bit about your, you know, sort of mindset. Sure. Mantra that, you know, 
Yeah. You're, you're uh, and I, I normally throw this in like right when we first start talking about leukemia, but we kind of got onto a different tangent here. So I actually think this is really important. In fact, it's more important than real estate. It's more important than buying back your time. It's probably the most important thing that I have to tell anyone ever. And it's the one that people almost never listen to because it sounds too stupid and hokey and like goofy. Um, but really, it is something that every single person should do immediately and cost nothing. And that is give up bad days. Like that's my, that like to me, like the whole world is better if you just don't have bad days. And it sounds weird when you say that, because you're like, well, like, what about that time you got leukemia? That had to be a bad day, right? But it actually wasn't. That's the thing. Like, like I, when I was 17 and I, I don't often tell the story, but you know, I, I will. Um, when I was 17, I, I don't know if I'd say I was pure suicidal, right? But I broke up with my girlfriend. My parents are going through a divorce. I walked into the bathroom with a Ginzu knife, like the serrated blade stick knife. And I had it on my wrist, right? And I sort of to like think about cutting my wrist, right? Like, so I don't know, I didn't do it and I didn't even make an effort at it. So I don't know if I was suicidal, but I wasn't happy, right? I was in a a state of mind that was, I think it's more akin to like a teenage angst than an actual depression. So I don't want to tell people like, if you're depressed right now, like go see a doctor, like for sure do that, right? This is not going to cure like medical clinical depression, but for the average person, they have some good days. They have some bad days. They, when, especially when you're young, you, those things are exaggerated, right? Like, you know, your bad days feel like the worst thing in the world and your good days feel like the, the best thing in the world. Well, I was having one of those worst things in the world days and I looked in the mirror and like, I had this knife on my wrist and it, it kind of hurt, you know, like it, I wasn't actually cutting, but I was like, man, that kind of hurts. And I was like, I don't like pain. So I'm not doing that. Like literally, if it hadn't been a serrated blade, who knows? I might have died right on the day. I don't know. But like the serrated blade, that's not yeah. the way you chose, you chose like, the wrong blade to test yeah. it out on. Well, yeah. I, I would say I <laughs> chose the, the right blade, blade. Really? yeah, because yeah. exactly. I prefer to be alive. Yeah. Yeah. And, exactly. uh, and so, so yeah, so I sit there and like, you know, it seems so weird to me now to even think about this stuff. But, um, you know, I, I looked in the mirror and I went, you know what, like I'm young and healthy and live in a middle-class family in like America, like can't be that bad, right? Like, I'm just going to have a good day today. And I went out and I went to school and I didn't have a good day. It didn't like magically solve all of my problems in life, yeah. but I'm stubborn. And so the next day I looked in the mirror and I thought, well, that didn't work. I got to try something different. And then I said out loud, like 10 times in a row, today's a good day. And then when I got in the car and I was by myself in the car and I saw another mirror, I went, today's a good day. And I said it like 10 times in a row. And then I made this habit of every time I saw a mirror and I was by myself, I would say out loud, today's a good day. Uh, If I saw a mirror and I wasn't by myself, I would think today's a good day, 10 times, count it out. And then when good things would happen, I'd be like, see, today's a good day. Like this good stuff's happening. And I just kept doing it. And I mean, these, I mean, this is like now it sounds really obvious. That's like positive affirmations. Right. Right. But this is in the early nineties and like no one ever, I mean, they might've been people talking about it, but we didn't have YouTube. So I never heard of it. Right. Like I didn't know shared on social media. Yeah. It wasn't (laughs) something like I could look at Facebook because Facebook wasn't around. I mean, heck Google hadn't been invented yet. Right. So, (laughs) so I was, um, I was doing these positive affirmations and I, and it worked generally. And one day I walked into a seven 11 and the guy behind the counter said, how are you doing today? And I said, without even thinking, I never have bad days. And I went, Holy crap. 
I never have bad. I think I actually said a more vulgar version of that, but I said, I never have bad days. And it just hit me that I had been like months then since I had bad days and I was 17 and uh, I haven't had a bad day since. And I don't always say today's a good day every day, all day long, you know, every time I see a mirror, but I do think that there's science behind this. I've read a lot about it over the years. Um, Tony Robbins talks about the reticular activating system, which is basically your brain defaults to the familiar, right? So flash forward 13 years, I get leukemia. I'm in the hospital. Uh, I get diagnosed at 10 o'clock at night. My brother comes to the hospital that night and he says to me, I bet today's a bad day. It's almost like he's excited. I'm finally going to have a bad day. You know, he wouldn't be like that now, but he was much younger then, obviously. And uh, he's a really good guy. He was a good guy then too. But, you know, he was just kind of like, oh, I bet today's a bad day. Like I, I knew it wasn't possible because that's a reaction I get all the time. It's like one, oh, that must be nice. Or like two, you're lying. Or three, we'll see when it gets really bad. You know, like they want to prove it doesn't work. So I said, most people don't listen. But um But uh, yeah, so my brother said that and I was like, actually, no, it's really not like the first 22 hours of the day were pretty good, right? I didn't get diagnosed with leukemia until 10 at night. And, you know, I had a good day. I had my dogs and like my wife is there and now I'm in the hospital and people are showing up and they're loving me. And 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 I'm like, this sucks. Like, I'm not happy to have leukemia. Like, I'm probably going to die. In fact, then my dad said to me, if you live, this is in September, mind you. He says, if you live till February, I'll take you to Australia. And I looked at him in dead seriousness said, I just hope I make it till Christmas, right? Like two months. That's where, that's where we were mindset wise. But at the same time, I was like planning for Christmas. I'm optimistic for the future. I'm feeling love from my family and friends. Um, and I'm just insanely grateful that I got to do so many great things before that. I mean, I'd traveled a lot. I'd been to Europe and Egypt and Machu Picchu, you know what I mean? And I was like, you know, if I die today, it's okay. Like I live a good life and I'm happy and, and you know, it's okay. Um, but the thing is, the next day was hard, right? Because like that day, it was like most of the day was good. But the next day I was like, this kind of sucks. I'm in the hospital and I think I'm going to die. I still don't have an official diagnosis yet. You know, we know I have leukemia, but not what type or anything. And I've got to do a bone marrow biopsy, which is like the most painful thing that you ever do in your life. Like, you know, I'm sure with your medical background, you know, that like, it's not good to drill into bones. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. It doesn't feel good. (laughs) Just, and they say things like you're going to feel a little pressure and you're like, No, it doesn't feel like pressure. It feels like you're drilling into my hip is what it feels like. (laughs) Like, and you're awake when they do it and everything. And uh, anyway, so uh, the next day I'm in the hospital and my wife goes home because she hadn't slept all night. Like, like, they're all nice. I said, you got to go sleep, let the dogs out, you know, that kind of stuff. It's like two in the afternoon. And this nurse comes in and she looks at me and she says, oh my God, Jeff, I'm so sorry to see you here. And I go, Oh my God, Shelly, I'm so happy to see you. And I'm like, this is my like babysitter from when I was eight years old and I haven't seen in two decades. And I'm like really excited about it. Right. And it made my, that's the reticular activating system. My brain was like, look at this positive thing here. Don't worry about all the negative because you know what? Good and bad happens to everyone every day. And the trick is focus on the positive and you know, minimize the impact of the negative. So Mm -hmm. did I give up and die? No, I said, 
I want to live. I like being alive. I get to see my babysitter. And um, I'm going to go and figure out what to do about this leukemia thing, because that's another thing I'm a big fan of. And this comes from Hal Elrod's book, um, Miracle Morning. But the rough quote is, the moment you accept complete responsibility for everything in your life is the moment you can change anything in your life. And so I just was like, and I hadn't read that then yet either, but I was just like, well, listen, I can't do anything about leukemia. Like I have it. It's not my fault, but I'm going to do what I can to minimize its impact. And if that means I have two months to live, I'm going to live the best two months I can. Yeah. And, and I'm also going to take drugs and like, you know, hope that it fixes it. And, you know, fortunately (laughs) it has so far. (laughs) Pursue treatment as well. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Don't don't try to mindset your way through. Yeah. No. That's what I was saying about depression too. Like if you're depressed, you know, take antidepressants, you know, I I get that. Right. Like there are medical things that you can't just, you know, magically change. It's not magic. It's literally your subconscious mind will find things that it's familiar with. It's like when you get a new car and it seems like everyone has the same car. Um. Yeah, it's actually called the Bader-Meinhof effect. It's like it's a well-documented scientific principle. Your brain just it follows self to positivity if you're used to positivity. And you know these people. Some people are just seem positive all the time and other people seem negative all the time. It's just the way they've conditioned their self to think. And yeah. you can literally change that conditioning by just focusing on positive as much as possible, as often as possible. Yeah, and it takes a while. Works. It's not, it doesn't happen immediately. I mean, it might not be one day. It might be two months or three months. Like me, could be six months. But the point is, you're going to start having more and more and more better days and better days are better than bad days. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it's really, uh, I mean, honestly, for me, you know, mind the mindset, it, controlling your mindset, it, it's been, it's a relatively new thing. I mean, maybe the last year, year and a half, something like that. Um and it's probably something that I think a lot of people, myself included, maybe, uh, you know, like your brother said, you know, kind of gave you that little it was jab that, oh, I bet today's not a, you know, not a good day that, that people don't, I don't know if it's that they don't understand it, they don't trust it, they don't believe it can work. I'm not, I'm not really sure what it is. But the, the funny thing is, is like, once you actually let yourself do some of those things, what, however you're going to do it, whether it's, you know, saying the positive affirmations in front of the mirror, or even just saying like on those days when you feel like, yeah, I'm just, I'm, this is hard. I'm going to quit, whatever it is. Like, just don't right? Like, just don't just take, take up a, a moment, do one, one thing at a time, pick one thing that you say, right. you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try and change the way I think about this one thing. And it's, and I'll tell you, like, I, I, I have used it to help me. I've, I've, I have physically had it help me in terms of health working on, you know, just like deciding I'm not going to let things, certain things stress me as much as they were stressing me. And it like physically made me healthier. And it's just, you wouldn't think, I didn't think, I didn't believe it. I didn't believe it was a thing, you know? And it's, it's kind of like, I got to the point where almost, and I, maybe it's maybe for a lot of us, this is where you have to get, you know, you, you got to sort of a bad place before you said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do something to sort of turn this around. And, and I had sort of the similar thing, like I was in a bad place and I'm like, I just can't keep going on like this. Like I have a a family, like this isn't, (laughs) this isn't how I want to live every day. And I'm like, let me see if I can make some small changes. And then it's like, once you feel that and harness that 
the power of that mindset stuff. I mean, it's, and I'm like calling it mindset set stuff is, is even, it's like minimizing it a lot, but, but the point is it's very powerful and you know, your story and no bad days, like it's, it's fantastic. I mean, it's like, luckily you did that before you got like leukemia because oh, yeah. you might have, that might've been the thing that you didn't come back from, but it's like, you were already in that positive uh, mindset space. And so you were like, okay, well, let's, let's be. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, if it had been like six weeks after I started, I probably would have been in a different place. Mm-hmm. Like it takes time and energy and, and building up. I actually have a friend who's a recovering alcoholic and she was talking to us um, on, on our podcast. So I, I don't even think she would care if I told you this, but so it's like, cause it was already public, but she said that, um, when COVID first happened, that she was really good. She was 10. It was really good. She was 10 years sober. She's like my friends who are six months sober, they're really struggling right now, yeah. but this 10 year sober is part of my identity. Like I'm a sober person. I don't drink alcohol. I'm just this. And I, and I get that because like, um, you know, I used to smoke, right? Like smoke cigarettes. And like, um, now I haven't smoked in you know more than a decade. Um, and it was really hard to quit, but what had to happen is I had to identify myself as a person who I, who recognized that I couldn't smoke at all. Like, I mean, that really, I had to make this decision. I can't, I I'm, some people might be able to have a cigarette once in a while. Not me. If I have one, I'm going to smoke two packs. It's just going to happen every time. And, and I had to fully embrace that identity in order to do it. And I think that's kind of what happens with this. Like it's almost, I have this unfair advantage when it comes to not having bad days because I go on podcasts and tell people I don't have bad days and it forces me to remember that I don't have bad days. Like I'm like constantly talking. You just told everyone you don't have bad days and now you have to keep up that. Yeah. And that's an accountability thing too, though. Like if you tell enough people about the, you know, that it, it really matters. I mean, I have a friend who just sent me a message today, actually, and I've known him for 15 or 20 years now, a good friend of mine. Um, and he sent me a message over messenger. He said, you know, I think I finally get it. Like I don't have bad days anymore. And he was like, really anti, he was like, yeah, that's not true. Like he, and he, I knew him when I got leukemia and he wasn't like, Oh, I bet you're having a bad day. But he was also like, you know, see bad stuff still happens to you. Like this isn't magic. And I'm like, I never said it was magic. You know, I mean, it really isn't. But if I look back at the day I got leukemia, shoot, that might be the best day of my life. Like really, that's the day that I realized I shouldn't be practicing law. That's the day I decided to get in to get serious about investing in real estate. Right. That's the day that meant that last year I was able to take a month off and go to Africa. Right. Cause I wouldn't have been able to do that if I was still practicing law. And this year I went to Puerto Rico for a month, like already this year. And I've got another trip to Puerto Rico planned. I'm going to Antarctica at the, in, in January. And, and, and the only reason I don't have more trips planned is because, you know, COVID has disrupted all the stuff. So right. I haven't figured it out yet. It's traveling's a little hard. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I, I, it's, I mean, it's so true. And it, it's, I think also sometimes people think that the, you know, the, the, the positivity, the mindset, it, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that nothing bad ever happens. It just means you don't react in a, in a negative way to it, right? You can't control yeah. the world. You can control how you react to things. So the no bad days, I mean, I hope I'm not <laughs> overstating it or, you know, sort of putting words in your mouth, but the, the no bad days isn't that nothing bad will ever happen to you again in the world. In, in your life. It's just that 
you will react to it in such a way that you'll find the positive in it. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of- super related to that Hal Elrod quote I said, you know, which is like, if you accept responsibility for anything in your life, yeah. that's when you can change anything in your life. Like, like I'm saying, it's not my fault. That's different. Right. Than responsibility. It's not my fault that I have leukemia, but I can still be responsible for the situation I find myself in and look at it objectively and say, where's the positive in this? How do I move forward from where I am right now? And, you know, another, another thing to think about too, is like, um, you know, it might just be delusional, right? Like I might just be like bad stuff happens and I'm like, eh, whatever. And then like some tiny good thing happens. Like I see my babysitter and I'm like, this is the best day ever. I'm like, people are like, well, you're just crazy. Right. Okay, fine. (laughs) Maybe that is crazy. Like it is worse to get leukemia like objectively than like say the benefit of seeing your old babysitter, right? Like those things, like when you weigh them, it's like you're scoring it. Yeah. 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 I just feel like objectively, like one's more bad than the other is good. But the thing is, it doesn't matter because I didn't feel bad at the time. And by not feeling bad, I was able to get the benefit. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you're right. Like, I mean, if I just swallowed in my misery, I might never have gotten the treatment I got. I mean, I, uh, in spirit of taking full responsibility, I had these conversations with my doctor where I said, okay, if you were diagnosed with CML, which is the leukemia I have at my age, which is very unusual because most of the time people are like in their 60s when they get CML, who would you talk to? Like, I, I'm not disputing that you're a good doctor, but like, who would you, if you were in my exact situation, talk to? And he said, he thought about it for a minute and he goes, well, there's a lot of really good doctors. Like, I don't want a lot of good, I want to know who you'd go to, yeah. you know? And he said, well, I don't think she's taking patients, but there's this doctor that's researching your disease and she's like really famous and she's at MD Anderson. And I said, okay, I'm going to go see her. He's like, well, like, you know, maybe your insurance won't cover it. I, I don't really care. I'm going to go right, see her, right? right? Like, you're, I'm going to figure gonna it out. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff you can do when you take responsibility for the situation you find yourself in. Yeah. Instead of play the blame game, like, oh, the world hates me or whatever. Like, yeah. you know, I had melanoma earlier this year, and that was another challenge, but it was also another reminder. It was like, see, <laughs> like, I actually feel like that one was actually good. Like I looked at it and I'm going, man, this really stinks. And I, I mean, I was scared cause like, you know, a second cancer, that sounds real bad. Like usually people start getting multiple cancers. It's a bad sign. And, you know, hopefully it's not for me and knock right. on my wall here, right. um, but uh, you know, but the thing is, it also was like, you know what? Like, I know how I react to these things. And I, I, I was scared, but I was also like, okay, what good's coming from this? So I made, um, you know, I, I did the surgery and, you know, all that stuff. And, and I started thinking about like, wow, this is going to be really cool to talk about on podcasts later. Like I'm going to be able to tell people this, and this is like the first time I've done it. So that's awesome. Right. Well, you thank, you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I, think, I don't think I've told anyone else about the melanoma, <laughs> although I did talk about it in my Facebook group and I put pictures up of, of like this little tiny pink dot on my chest, you know, that doesn't look like anything. And I'm like, see that point an arrow at it, you know, that right there, it resulted in this and <laughs> like bruises and like, you know, burn marks and stuff. Cause when they cut that stuff out, they like, they use like blow torches and everything. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. very, very fun. It's not as bad as a bone marrow biopsy, but it's definitely not on my top five list of still, things to yeah, do. Still not, not fun. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> understand. Understand. Well, listen, I, I know you got a, a busy day. Um, I have just uh, a few questions that I like to ask each guest. Sure. 
Um, and the first one is, is really just very relevant to the topic of the, or the title of the podcast, which is um, know your why. And so, so what, what is your why? And I, I recognize that people's whys change uh, over time. It, I think it's, you know, sometimes a fluid thing, but sort of what, what drives you at this point? Yeah. So right now, my driving passion, my why is to help other people find their why. Like, like I, I mean, that's what last life ever is all about. That's the podcast that I do is and the Facebook group that we have and all that. It's all about helping people find their purpose and helping people figure out how to take the steps necessary to pursue their purpose. And I believe that, um, you owe it to your, some people say, well, that's selfish to like follow your passion, like get rich, whatever it is. Right. Um, but I think you owe it to yourself, um, and to your family and to your community and to the world really to live the best possible version of your life. And that's going to include being charitable. That's going to include being a lifetime learner. Um, there's a lot of elements of that, but like, I really want to help, uh, a million people actually that's my thing right now and help a million people uh, pursue the best version of their lives so we can change the whole world together fantastic fantastic i love that um tell me something about yourself that you'd like listeners to know that is maybe not common knowledge um you know that that's a hobby or a, a secret skill or some guilty pleasure or something like that you have okay something you can share that isn't I, I, maybe you just maybe you just did that with the melanoma but yeah but. right I'm really good at self-diagnosing melanoma it turns right. out because <laughs> um, got it super early um yeah no that uh that's not really a hobby I want to pursue often hopefully I never have to do that again because uh, you know reoccurrence not good uh but uh listen uh I love scuba diving. I love traveling. Um, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro last year. Um, but all cool. of those things are like, just like sort of a thing that I did and experience like travel. If I were going to sit and people know about them and I talk about them. So the really secret, deep, dark thing skill that I have is I'm really good at identifying first edition, modern literature books. Like I can tell you if it's a first printing or a second printing or if it's, if it's remandered or price clipped or valuable. Uh, and I wish I wasn't good at this. Cause that's why I have all these books behind me and like books all over the place. Cause I go to a used bookstore and I go that $7 book would sell on eBay for $20. I better buy it. And then I just never sell it. So that's actually really cool. I, I mean, it's really I think- cool until you have to move. I yeah, I suppose. Books. Or you, or you, you have a, uh, you know, you, you start your own Amazon, the original yeah. Amazon selling. It's so, it's so much work. I really yeah. want to get rid of the books. Actually, I stop. I've actually, like, one of the things I got really obsessive on buying them, and now I spend a lot of time not buying books. Like, I'll go to bookstores, and I'm like, no, if I'm not going to read it today, I don't buy it. Like yeah. I just, I, I don't need any more books in my life. I have too much stuff as it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I do love Stephen King books too. That's another thing. I collect first edition signed Stephen King books. That's how I got into identifying books. That's really cool. I, uh, I, I'm a big Stephen King fan myself. That's like, that's what, that's what I can remember. Stephen King is the first author that I remember like re- reading more than one just random book. It was like, I, I the first mm. book I read was Christine and then just kept going. Like I kept, I read. Yeah, I just got sucked into the whole world. And yeah. 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 I, I think we have a lot in common. Cause I see like the Indian and the Superman and the right. Batman behind <laughs> And Now you're liking yeah. Stephen King. So I think we might have a lot in common. Yeah. 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 I'm a, I'm a big, uh, I guess, 
you'd say science fiction superhero fit. My son's name is Logan after Wolverine. I mean, it nice. is, it's a whole thing. So yeah, Solid. Um, it's uh it's 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 uh, an interest. It's, it's nice to have that fantasy world. I guess maybe it's a little bit of a, a, a mindset light when you think about like what you know superheroes represent. But um, tell me how people can reach you if they want to connect. So. Uh, and we'll put whatever you want in the show notes. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so the you know the easiest way to find me is just Google me actually because I'm like all over the place. But um, Instagram's really good. I do a lot on Instagram, so it's just add Jeffrey Holst on Instagram. And then um, I think everyone in the world, well, at least a million people, because I just said that should join the Last Life Ever Facebook group. Um, it's just Last Life Ever private group on Facebook, and we just you know we just try to help people live well. We interview people doing cool stuff we come up with little challenges. Like right now we're in a million step challenge, which I don't know why I ever agreed to that, but my co-hosts and I have agreed to each walk a half a million steps in the 40 day period. Um, so as soon as I get off here, I'm going to have to go do a bunch of steps oh, yeah. because I got to keep <laughs> get walking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so far so good, but we're only on day three of our 40 day challenge. So yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of steps. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. it's twelve thousand five hundred a day for each of us. But the problem is like it's a team activity. So like the first day she was a little sick, and so she didn't get all of her steps in. So then I'm like, I better do more steps today to make up for her steps. <laughs> you're you're uh, t- taking over taking up the slack of each other's steps. Whatever, yeah. whenever one of you has a has a short day. Um, well, what what can I do? or any of my listeners, what can we do to sort of help you on your journey? Um, you know, we can check in, check out that Facebook, Facebook group, but yeah. things that, you know, sort of you need to spread, to spread your message. Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, it, it, it doesn't help me necessarily, but it helps the world. And that is, you know, remember you just get this one chance, right? Like that's what last life ever is about. Um, recognize that and recognize that, you know, there's fundamentally no difference between whoever you are right now and whoever you really want to be. And so you just got to go like follow the process. Um, quick, two quick antidotes here. Like one, like the people that you think are really extraordinary, they still woke up crying and pooping when they were a baby. Right. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, they might've had a little bit of different advantages or whatever, but like, there's a lot of people that have overcome a lot of adversity and done amazing things. And if they can do it, you can do it. If you're still alive, you can still do it. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is, um, you know, give up bad days right now and go tell everyone, you know, to give up bad days. Cause if everyone in the world gave up bad days, the world would be awesome. <laughs> it really would. It's, true. it's absolutely true. Uh, I, I think I will take you up on that, on that piece of advice. I like, I like that. I mean, just, you know, sort of, it is, it's just deciding that your reaction to, to the day is, it's going to be a good day. Yeah. I mean, there are little things you can do too, like just quick tricks. Like if you're having a time where you're struggling, like somebody asked me today, like I'm really struggling to stay positive today. And it's like, just pick something and focus on it. Like you saw a, a bluebird go by and, you know, just for a second, think like, man, that bluebird is really pretty. And like the bluebird can fly and has all this freedom. And oh, I'm, I have freedom. And like, just try to go down like some kind of random track about all the positive things that you can think of, because that'll get you away from whatever negativity you're thinking about and yeah. focused on the positive. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Yeah, yeah, that's phenomenal. Well, listen, thank you, Jeffrey. I, I really appreciate you coming on today and, and uh, you know, sort of sharing your story. And I think, um, 
yeah, a lot, a lot of people can really benefit from, you know, sort of your message and, and, you know, that, that mindset shift, uh, into making, giving themselves no bad days as well. So, so thank you very much for coming on. Anytime. All right. Appreciate it. All right. Goodbye, everyone.